0: Operation Confidence proudly presents America's Invisible Heroes radio talk show. Tune in weekly on Sundays from 2 to 3.30 p.m. Pacific time with your hosts, Consuela Mackey, co-host, U.S. Air Force veteran, Matt Davidson, announcers, Taylor Marcella and Brooke Gadesi, U.S. Army veteran and entertainment host, Charles Whitehead. U.S. Army Special Forces Veteran, and I Once Was Whole segment host, Richard Cook. U.S. Army Veteran and Lifeline for Women's Veterans segment host, Martha Elena Varela. National Faith Program Director and Veterans in Recovery segment host, Anthony Akinpora. And U.S. Air Force Veteran and Incarceration to Success segment host, Kevin Lewandowski. For more information or to be a guest on our show, email
2: Welcome, everyone. I'm going to welcome my two wonderful co-hosts, actually three, to host the show today. This is Consuela Mackey, executive director of Operation Confidence, a nonprofit organization who advocates for our veterans. You girls, take it away. Would it be? It's gonna be Taylor, Martha, Charles, and all of our phenomenal guests. Take it away.
1: Okay. Uh, like you mentioned, thank you, Connie. Uh, my name is Martha Varela. I'm one of the uh, segment co-hosts, the Lifeline for Women Veterans segment co-host. I am a U.S. Army veteran, and I'm going to introduce our amazing co-host. Before that, um, I just wanted to make sure that we all are aware that the uh, program that we're doing today, the American In- America's Invisible Heroes, is a platform that we are using to elevate the stories of America's veterans, America's heroes, especially those who have uh, are facing some sort of homeless situation or those who have uh, a disability. So today, I'd like to introduce our amazing co-hosts, Matt Davison, U.S. Air Force veteran, board member um, and co-host, as I mentioned, Taylor Marcella, board member and announcer, uh, U.S. Army U.S. Air Force veteran John Oppenheim, who's also going to be uh, with us on a bi-monthly as a bi-monthly segment host, for veteran voice from the hub. Dorsey Dujon, bi-monthly segment host, Make Music LA. Dr. Wendy Childress, U.S. Army veteran, uh, Living Life Completely. Dr. Kathy Case, U.S. Army veteran Strategies for Hope, and new segment host. Patrice Springer of Veteran Success Stories. Say hello, everyone, and wave so our viewers can see who you are.
3: Hello, everyone, and uh she didn't mention my name, but I'm Charles Whitehead. Oh, yep, so. Charles
1: Whitehead. Don't have you pulling Whitehead. the door.
3: Say now, hello. You
1: know, <laughs> Charles Whitehead. How can we forget you? Our U.S. Army. It's leader. all good. It's all good. Member and he's a board member and code host
4: Right. Yes. So, okay.
1: All right. So take it away. Matt's going to talk to us a little bit about the VA's goals for ending veteran homelessness.
5: Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Uh, The Department of Veterans Affairs Secretary Dennis McDonough established new goals at VA's efforts to prevent and end homelessness among veterans. During his visit, February 25th, McDonough participated in the local point in time count and announced the following action being taken in the greater Los Angeles area. First is placing at least 1500 veterans experiencing homelessness into permanent housing, which would represent a greater than 10% increase in permanent housing placements since calendar year 2021. Second, increasing the percentage of housing and urban development veterans affairs supportive housing vouchers on the lease to at least 75%, which represent the highest voucher utilization rate since 2018. And third, increasing to 50% the percentage of veterans admitted to HUD-VASH who are housed within 90 days. Reaching these goals in calendar year 2022 would mark uh, Greater Los Angeles' best outcomes helping veterans exit homelessness and remain in stable housing in several years, and would represent a clear and substantial improvement on veterans' homelessness locally. The Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority and our partners have a shared belief that all veterans deserve a place to call home, said the authority's executive director, Heidi Marston. We are eager to support VA in its effort to provide permanent and stable homes for 1,500 veterans. In October, after seeing a homeless veterans um, encampment on San Vincente Boulevard near West Los Angeles VA Medical Center, McDonough set a goal to house 500 veterans by the end of 2021. The, graders, the VA greater Los Angeles healthcare system exceeded that goal through a variety of temporary transitional and permanent housing programs. Veterans also enrolled in supportive programs that help with the transition to permanent housing. To increase housing stock dedicated to veterans experiencing homelessness, VA and HUD will support the State of California and Project Home Key by committing available HUD cash vouchers to projects awarded throughout the state. There are more than 5,000 HUD VASH vouchers recently available for use in California. This support creates new housing stock for veterans while addressing the underutilization of this valuable resource. That makes market-rate housing affordable for eligible veterans. Due to significant investments from Congress in the last three years, we have substantial resources to invest in homeless prevention, McDonough like said. We also have proven proven strategies that have not only decreased the number of homeless veterans, but also prevented veterans and their families from experiencing homelessness in the first place. What remains is the energy and the effort needed to finish the job. These initiatives will help get us there. The number of veterans experiencing homelessness in the United States has declined by nearly half since 2010 with more than 920,000 veterans and their family members permanently housed or prevented from becoming homeless since then. For immediate assistance, contact the National Call Center for Homeless Veterans at 877-424-3838. That's 877-424-3838. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Matt, for sharing that. You know, I, I'm excited to hear that um, new information, right? Because we, we're, we're seeing um, more and more resources being, being put forward, but this sounds like they're gonna take a look at what's, what hasn't been working, right? And I think that that's equally as important um, as just kind of dedicating new funding, more funding to figure out where are the gaps. And I know that for me, it was just mind boggling to see that so many vets were denied or turned down for the HUD bash voucher. And it's like, how could you, how could that be, right? If you're um, homeless one day, according to the HUD definition, you've been outside in the elements for one day, you're technically considered homeless, or there's multiple definitions. And I think part of of that disconnect has been that different people interpret the definition of homelessness differently. So Mm. what, what that means then as an end result is too many vets are getting turned down for that HUD-VASH voucher. And I can't tell you how many vets I have helped personally that have communicated that same information to me, that it's been two, three times for some of them. Um, and that shouldn't be, that, that shouldn't be. The resources there, as we heard, there's what how many thousands of uh, vouchers that are available and, and that transitional period that veterans need support. And I know that John t- talked a little bit about that um, the last time we heard, heard from him is that, you know, the process itself is very um, intimidating, it's very long, it's very frustrating, it's anxiety ridden, and veterans need some support to help get them through the processes. It's not easy, but these are some awesome goals. Like I said, a 90-day turnaround is huge. I've seen vets wait as long as a year sometimes um, to get that voucher in hand, and then it's you know the second parts of the navigation, and then of course the stabilization. But this is great news. Thank you, um, both Connie and Matt, for for sharing this with us.
5: You're welcome. Yep.
2: Okay. Well, I'm gonna let Healer? Taylor take it from yep. here. For our next guest.
6: Of course, Connie. Um, John's guest, or here is U.S. Air Force veteran John Oppenheim. His guest today is Paige. Pol- Pol- Polanis, executive director.
7: I don't think that's uh, the no, guest no, it's today. not. It's yeah. not to, Andrea Dressler is the. Andrea Dressler,
6: excuse okay, me. Okay, Angela, she came
2: on after he has submitted her his first guest. Got it. So let okay. uh, John is going to be able to, to introduce his guest, and we apologize for not having it correctly on the uh,
7: script. Okay. <laughs> sorry, not sorry to interrupt, but.
2: Paige may okay. be watching
7: because she knows hey, that.
6: <laughs> hey, okay. She'll, Thank she'll
7: you. hurt me tomorrow. Uh-oh. Okay.
6: okay. Well, John, I will let you introduce your guest.
7: Great. Well, thanks, thanks a lot. And uh, what a great uh, follow-on to Matt because <laughs> exactly what Matt is talking about is, th- if those of you who remember me from last time, that was uh, my big thing. And uh, I'm going to take a couple minutes before I introduce my guest, first of all, because this is my first segment that uh, we're calling it the Veterans' Voices from the Hub. So I thought I would explain it, what the Hub is and what our Veterans' Voices are. Uh, maybe you remember last time that I actually wear two hats one is my advocacy hat, and the other is my service hat. Uh, and uh, I talked a lot last time about some of the advocacy issues we're having and we've actually made some progress, which is uh, really exciting and I hope to be able to talk next time or time after about it. Um, But uh, what Matt was talking about is getting veterans off the streets. Uh, Actually in the last few weeks I've dealt with three or four of them myself, even though that's not necessarily what I've been doing. Um, because my advocacy is for those who are housed. It's great to get them off the streets. It's great to get them in housing, but once they're there, there there's the other needs they have, and so that's what I'd like to talk about. So I'm going to share my screen, if that's okay. And oh, wrong one. Sorry, I couldn't swear it. So this is the hub. It's actually a physical building. I didn't want anybody to think it wasn't. Uh, Down in Long Beach in uh, confines of Century Villages in Cabrillo, it's uh, City Heart is the name of the organization that we're part of. And the hub is where it's a physical location, but it's also a commitment. And I just want to take a a minute, a couple minutes, because it's a video to, Introduce the Veterans Council at City Heart. And like that. And so, this is something we did for Veteran's Day.
0: How's it going, John? Hey, good. We'll go over here. All right. So How's your
8: day so far? So far, so good. So, John, for the camera, would you just state your name? Just say, hi, my name is... Hi, my name is John Uh Hi, my name is Bill Hansen. My name is Barbara Hinkle, R. Hanson. Former staff sergeant, Raston McClain. Mr. Byron Walton.
4: My name is Melissa Gagnon.
8: i counseled by Sidney Hart, and uh, just doing what I can to
5: give back to help other veterans
4: out. I firmly believed in what was happening, and I wanted to try to make a difference.
5: I got the camaraderie of being with my fellow veterans.
2: I hope that's not oh, me.
3: That's you, John. Just the uh, you yeah, YouTube video going still.
7: There we go. All right. you got it. There you go. Uh, sorry about that.
3: We all do it.
7: Yeah. Yeah. So, well, you it. know, you, you can't keep all the commercials out. So, anyway, right. I want to get to my guest. Um, start a little bit, and since you got introduced to uh, some of the people there. Um, One of the issues that the VA has, and it's interesting, Matt, to listen to you talking about the uh, vouchers and all that. One of the problems that the VA has is that they have a formula of how many people need mental health help, or just any kind of case management, and I won't go into what the formula is, but. When you come down to Century Villages and you look at the population of four to 600 veterans, most of whom have been homeless, many of them are seniors. There's a tremendous amount of PTSD there. Uh, the formula that the VA has for funding just doesn't work. And so for the last few years, I've, I, we've been lobbying very hard to try and get more services for veterans. There's been a lot of issues, I brought some of them out. Up the last time I was there, and about a, last year, about the middle of the year, we thought we had an organization that was going to be able to provide us with some uh, some help in that area. And uh, for about three months, they nothing happened, and quite frankly, it just didn't didn't pan out. And right about the time that was happening, we had just started trying to do a group therapy for veterans with PTSD. And just at the right time, I mean, luck plays such a, a big part in life. Uh, Paige Polonis, who is our executive director uh, at City Heart, uh, met Andrea Dressler, my guest today. And I'm going to let Andrea kind of introduce herself. But Andrea is with an organization called ACUA, And I uh, they're both a for, for-profit mental health organization started in San Diego or Orange County. Again, I don't wanna take her space. And that um, they also have a, a nonprofit. And so she stepped right up and, and took over that group that we had started and, and got dropped by the other organization. And I was fortunate enough uh, around the end of December to get invited to a Christmas party at Akua and again, luck has had it. Andrea sat across from me at lunch and we had a long discussion about some of the things that we were experiencing there at at the villages. And one of the things that I talk about Andrea is that one of those people that has a can-do attitude when you work with bureaucracies, the first word out of most bureaucrats mouth is no. And then you got to convince them to say yes. And uh, Andrea started off saying, well, yeah, let me take a look at that. And uh, she said, I think we can help. We started a nonprofit for veterans. And so in January, uh, we made it official and the CUA has been running uh, a once a week um, group, Uh, group therapy session It started with a couple, I think we were up to seven or eight the last time we had it. And uh, we're also looking at needing to assess the mental health of as many residents as we can. And they've committed to to helping us with that. And so I think without my talking anymore, I'd like to introduce Andrea, and let her take it from there.
9: Thank you, John, and honestly, the luck was all mine getting to meet with you and see the passion that you have for a segment of the population that is um, truly heroes to all of us and deserve anybody and everybody stepping up to help in any way that they can. So I am a psychiatric nurse practitioner and a clinical psychologist. I have been in practice for a lot of years. Um, I think I got my master's in 96 and my PhD in 99. A um, Couple of years ago, I stepped out of practice and decided to go into administration. And I've been with ACUA for about a year and a half. And ACUA is a behavioral health company throughout the state of California. We do substance use disorder and um, mental health. We have facilities in Sacramento region, San Diego, LA, Orange County, and then we do a virtual treatment um, that's available to anybody in the state. And one of the reasons why I was drawn to ACUA is they have a first responder veteran specific track. We do have a residential um, facility in Sacramento that, that is what that treatment is geared towards. And then we opened up an outpatient facility in Long Beach that, again, the outpatient focus is for veterans and dealing with PTSD and some of the common behavioral health issues that veterans are faced with. Um, We try to not just provide services for those that are acute enough that they need treatment, but finding out ways we can truly step up and help. And as John mentioned, we um, started a CUA is Community, which is a nonprofit section. And we uh, about every two weeks, we do hygiene packs at the hub for people that just, you know, food stamps aren't covering it or they're needing a little bit more. And then we did start doing that um, support group. And when John was telling me what resources were available, it was heartbreaking to me. As somebody who has been in behavioral health for a very long time, I think the number was one, uh, I, I can't remember exactly, but I wanna say 180 people that are in need of services. And I like to think I'm very efficient and I'm really good at my job. And there is no way I could in any way, shape or form um, ever expect to have any kind of meaningful impact in that. So I did go back to our board of directors um, and leadership, which I'm like number two, number three in the company. So went back to myself and a couple other people and said, look, we really need to put our money where our mouth is. Um, We really need to step up. So we've committed to providing three full time case managers um, to the hub to do a needs assessment. And I've already drafted and completed a needs assessment that helps us see if there's transportation issues, basic health issues that need to be addressed behavioral health issues, et cetera, and then working with the VA. So anybody that does need that, we can assist in any way possible with doing services, things like that. The other thing that based on this that we started doing is scholarshiping for any out of pocket um, that was going to come with veterans. So we just make sure that, and we don't ask for financial forms or anything like that. These are people that have served our country and it is our way of showing gratitude that if you are not able to afford an out of pocket or transportation, or any of those barriers to get into services, we are ensuring that we are um, scholarshipping all of that funding. So we have always had an active military and veteran um, track, but we are really growing it um, just to make sure that we are addressing the needs and helping the needs. And fortunately, we were able to partner with City Heart and with John Um, and really get some things moving, so just um, Akua is extremely happy and honored to help in any way we can.
2: Oh, that is so great. I think that's amazing information and what you guys are doing together, John. Your guest was just outstanding, and what you guys are doing is just amazing as well. We want to have her to come back and share some more information on how, through our network, we can help Our veterans, you know. Um,
3: Can can you tell us how people can reach you?
2: Yeah, please, absolutely. Let be through John or through you, or how how do we do it?
9: Sure, what I will do is uh, put in the chat box, but Akua has a pretty developed website and I'm on there as well. So it's AkuaMindBody.com. And John and I are in in pretty, pretty regular contact and City Heart, which is where a lot of veterans are, I'm in contact with Paige at least weekly, if not more often. Um, okay. But I will drop my um, email. So it's a Dressler, which my name is on there, at akuahealth.com. But I'm sure that we can find a way to connect, um, even if it's through City Heart. But anything that we can do as a company to um, stand up and help in any way, I um, have very generous board of directors and very generous leadership that never asks why or how. It's like, yep, you need it, let's do it. So you know, any way that we can help, we sincerely want to be there.
1: OK. Andre, and I have a question. Um, can you tell us what the, where the name Akua community came from or what Akua stands for?
9: Sure. So we actually started as a six bed detox in Orange County and it was owned by a doctor that was a surfer and Akua is a Hawaiian name. So it started with that and then he partnered with a real estate developer and at this point now we have over 300 residential beds um, across the state and we based a lot of things on Hawaiian names. So we have like Lonnie is our female programming, COA is our male programming, um, and we just continue to grow and expand. Um, And from the very beginning, we really have catered towards the veteran population to ensure that we had specialized tracks because a lot of times when you're looking at behavioral health, you will see people that might be on the opposite side of the aisle, so to speak, than people that have served the country. So we really try to give a very respectful track that can deal precisely with things that they're going through. So our Akua Strong is our outpatient and Akua Mind Body is our inpatient. And we call it that because we do a lot of east versus western um, philosophy so we do yoga meditation sound bath and then we also do evidence-based treatment as well um, and we have uh, masters and doctorate level practitioners and we have medical um, doctors and psychiatrists that work in all of our locations
2: no well, thank you so much that was
9: great information
2: thank
4: Mm-hmm.
9: We're running out of little
2: time now here with our other guests so patiently waiting.
6: Hey, Matt, just, yes. could you please um read one of your award-winning poems?
5: I'd be happy to. <clears throat> and this one ties into the shirt. No let- veterans left behind. And the title of this poem is called MIA missing in America. America cannot see them. America does not hear them. America looks through them. America does not claim them. They are close to 300,000 strong, an army of the unseen, like the Cheyenne dog soldiers. You can't see them, but you can feel their presence. Most went missing in Nam. They were never welcomed home. Politicians denied responsibility. Yesterday's vets turned their backs. They were the hope of this nation. All American boys, idealistic and visionary, products of peace, and prosperity. Most made it home intact. Too many never made it home at all. The are missing in America, wounded and untreated. You might find them asleep with one eye open in the street, hidden in a junked car, maybe in some abandoned tool shed. You might catch a glimpse of them behind the green curtain of Humboldt County, deep inside one of our parks in a mountain shack, concealed by pines we might hear them call out a name warn of incoming scream for a medic cry out in agony don't turn away don't leave them again embrace them reassure them make them believe they'll be okay how much horror can a spirit endure for it snaps and dissipates? How much sadness can a human experience before moving from the light to darkness? You have the means to rescue them, care enough to search. You have the power to heal them, who care enough to activate that power like ghosts that move through the years, dragging their youth behind them, hoping that we will intervene and welcome them home before it's too late.
10: Oh, wow.
2: Beautiful, Matt. That is so touching. And that's to be published, already published where?
5: Uh, That's gonna be in Veterans Voices Magazine and the spring edition.
2: You let us know how to purchase it or get a copy of it for sure. Can you yeah. hear me, Matt? Thank you. Okay, that's beautiful. He's doing some, some outstanding uh, poetry for veterans. For the veterans community and on, on, on various uh, veteran magazines. So we're so proud of you. Thank you so much. Moving right along, I know you have to leave, Matt. So we'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you. Thank you, Matt.
5: Welcome.
4: All right.
2: Okay. Uh, since Taylor was unable to uh, give a complete presentation, I wanted to introduce my dear friend, Patrice.
6: Yes, ma'am. Patrice Ginso Springer is a retired vocational teacher from Los Angeles Unified School District. Her classrooms were in the gyms, housing developments, department stores, bungalows, places that provided classrooms that people felt comfortable being in and out in the community. The adult division was known for classrooms without walls, which meant that teachers went beyond and outside the school walls. After spending 30 years in education, she volunteered in the nonprofit world, helping at-risk youth and the chronically unemployed. She is proud to have six generations of military in her family and has all the branches covered, Army, Navy, Marine, and California National Guard. Her oldest, great, her oldest great-grandson just left the Marines after four years of service. She just recently began her own nonprofit, Your Image 2020. The mission of her organization is to help marginalized individuals who have been affected by incarceration, drug, alcohol abuse, and homelessness regain their place in the workforce. Veterans are a big priority as they return to civilian life. Her, clo- er, her, her closets provide clothing to improve self-esteem and build self-confidence to everyone that walks into her organization. Welcome, Miss Patrice.
11: Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm so inspired to hear the stories um, that Consuelo brings and all of you bring to um, the community. They need to be heard. And I feel very fortunate to be a part of this group. I'm very proud to have been a vocational teacher. When I first started teaching, vocational education was really important for people that didn't necessarily go to college. And um, you know, through the years, a lot of these young people have been told that if you don't go to college, you're not going to be successful. And there are a lot of people in the trades, a lot of people that. Um, are making more money than teachers that are building our buildings now, our electricians and our 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 uh, sheet metal workers and you know people that went into the trades. And you know I'm very proud to have been a vocational teacher. And and as my bio said, the adult division didn't didn't stay in these little four walls of of a school. We were out in the community. And I enjoyed being out in the community. And um, when I decided to start Your Image 2020, um, it's a trauma-based service. It's not just a place where people come in and get clothing um, to change the outside of themselves. It's a place for them to come in and change themselves from the inside out. When they're able to look at themselves in a suit, They start believing, yes, I can get that job in somewhere where they thought they could never work. And I'm seeing a lot of trauma, a lot of veterans that are coming in with trauma that they're not being accepted coming back into civilian life, and especially women. Um, women have experienced a lot when they're in the service and when they come out into civilian life, it's, it's just a real, real uh, painful thing for them sometimes. And the closet is meant to be a very safe and secure place that they can walk in and they can go shopping. I have it set up like a boutique and they can go shopping and get whatever they want. Um, I think it's very difficult for a lot of people, maybe who have been homeless, um, who don't look like they have a lot of money to spend on clothes. And I don't know about you, but the last time I was at Macy's or even Nordstrom's, um, there wasn't a personal shopper that came up to you and said, can I help you find something? You know, let right. me do this or let me show you that. Um it doesn't happen anymore so when they come into into your image 2020 i'm their personal shopper i suggest things to them but i also let them have fun and i have to say the women have more fun than the men because the men come in for a suit but when they put on their tie um they're able to admit i don't know how to tie a tie some of our clients that have guests that have uh, been incarcerated for a long time. They never went to prom. They never had a suit. They never put on a tie, um, and it's a brand new experience for them. We teach them skills for them to go out and find a job. My husband is my partner in crime. Uh, He worked in vocational education also. And he does my mock interviews. So someone will come into the closet, they'll get their suit or whatever. They're going to feel comfortable in. I give them a personal hour of coaching on going out on an interview. And then immediately they go for a mock interview with my husband and he, he treats it like a real interview. So they're fresh from getting prepared. They're all set up in a suit and they go for their mock interview. It's been so helpful and so impactful for people that are ready to go out on that job. When they leave your image 2020, their self-esteem, their self-confidence is turned around 360 degrees. So I invite anybody that is on the show, anybody that's listening, um, our our. Email is yimage20.2020 at gmail.com. We're located in Compton. We're at a work source center, the Rancho Dominguez work source center. And so there's a lot of programs that if they're not in a program, we can re co enroll them into a program at the center where they can be helped with many different things, whether they're veterans, whether they've been previously incarcerated, whether they've been homeless. Um, we have a lot of programs that can assist them. So, um,
2: we want to put that on our website too. Yes. Give us your, your phone number and uh, and your email address And
11: Yes. My phone number is 213 220 8287.
12: Repeat and it, please, a little slower. 213 220
11: 8287 and ask for Pat Springer, and I'd be happy to help you. And um, we're there 24-7 to help people. Um, website. Bringing in my segments, I'll be bringing in some success stories. There are tons of, of success stories of veterans that are doing so many things um, that, you know we just can't even imagine. So- um, and We wanna say, yay, welcome aboard. You uh, and John. You. <laughs> hey. Yeah. It's, uh, uh
2: Patrice and I go back, ooh girl, how many years? Long time. Long time. We worked together on many projects. She's already participated in a lot of operation competency events, and we're so happy to have you on board yeah. having a
4: segment.
11: I brought a just- short video, so um I sent it over to Charles just so you can get a feeling of where we started with your image. We started yeah. in the junk room of Rancho Dominguez, and um, it's been transformed into, um, you know, a, a boutique is what I call it. It's not just a closet. Mm-hmm. So um, nobody that comes in there ever gives up. But okay. Charles, take it away.
5: All right.
3: Wrong
2: thing, Charles. <laughs> there it
3: is. Blue
2: screen. There we go. <laughs>
7: Like I said, uh, the spirit of y'all, was just good to get out to talk to people and everything. Y'all were most of the nicest people I met, you know, all the time. And it was very great. It was wonderful. Yeah. I just, and the clothes was nice. And Ralph house Come on. Hey,
8: can't beat that. <laughs> yeah. But it was, it, was, it was great. It was fantastic. Okay. okay. I know you refuse to be held down anymore.
12: Congratulations, that
11: was
12: beautiful. So, as what? you
11: can see, there's a lot of transitions going on there. And um, the young man that helped me put the whole thing together spent 41 years in prison. And when we got the opportunity to get the closet, uh, as you saw, it was a mess. And he said, Pat, I'm gonna help you make your dream come true. And he did all the physical work. No, um, uh, I was in the background praying, and he was doing work. Mm-hmm. And every single person that walks in the closet keeps my dream going. Because on the bad days that I think, oh, I can't do this anymore, um, you know, someone comes in and they get a new life, and they're they're excited to go out and face the world again. And uh, and that just fills my heart. So um, that is
2: so wonderful. Congratulations, girlfriend. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. And you have to have the young man that that, uh, was incarcerated come on as a guest because you having him involved gave him a feeling of self-worth, you know?
3: Yes, yes. You you, you mentioned earlier that uh, a lot of guys come in and they don't know how to tie a tie. If I remember correct, and, uh, you know, um, John, maybe you can help me here. Does the uh, military, they have clip-on ties, don't they?
7: Listen, I was in it so long ago that we wore clean <laughs> mail. Yeah, that, that. I don't, I, honestly, I don't remember.
3: Uh, yeah, I think they have clip on I think ties. they give
7: a clip on my. More yeah, that's why the
3: people don't know how to use ties. It's like, I, hey, I didn't learn in the military.
7: Well, the military, you know, the Marines, they go out there. You have to ask one.
3: Yeah, because they, they, they want to not, know, snatch is, them off real quick if needed be.
7: Yeah. Martha,
2: you know the struggles of women veterans and what they go through is transitioning and finding. A and proper you know, science. yes,
1: it's and it's it's difficult for women. I think, as we're the caregivers, right? And if you if you're a woman with kids or a family, you know, women come last, right? The kids get all, everything situated first. The, the you know the dad, everyone else goes first. But then when it's time to get to the to the woman of the house you know, there's nothing left. Right. And I, it's interesting. We, we share a similar background. I, um, I had a closet. uh, it was called Martha's closet and I found that I was doing the same thing. Right. So I had the funny story is I took a break from nonprofit. Um, I worked at the time as an executive director of a really small nonprofit in St. Paul, Minnesota, and we dealt with crime prevention, gang intervention, police mediation, heavy, heavy duty. Right. So, I had said I'm taking a break. I want to open my own boutique. I want to do something completely different, and I ended up doing the same thing you did. I was. And doing, Operation uh, Commons
2: did the same thing which yeah. Patrice knows. and yes. we're still involved because that's my background: fashion designing and, design and, and hairstyling. So. so, and we found it a
1: form of rehabilitation. Exactly. You know? so, exactly. Especially for women, it's it's so needed, and exactly, it was yeah. interesting because after I I did this for wow, like some years, um, I had said, you know, if I'm going to still do the same social service. And again, I know that beautiful feeling that you speak of when it's like mm-hmm. you go to work and you're thinking, you know, I'm having a bad day. I don't want to do this anymore, right? But someone else walks in the door that had it worse and just fills your heart right back up, right? I, it's, it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful thing. And I know for me personally, I had said, well, if I'm going to continue to do this social service I was trying to get away from to take a break, I went back and got my master's degree and said, OK, there let me girl. let me take it up a notch. So mm-hmm. I'd like to connect with you because I actually have some donations from oh. my closet that I could possibly give you um, men's clothing. For some reason, most of my w- customers were women. Um, so I have a lot of really nice well, we're men's gonna, dress You'll pants. be able to talk about that after <laughs> this We're running so, out of time yes. now. But thank you I would you love so to, to follow up with you after the call. Yeah,
11: me
4: definitely.
11: And right. you know, I when you. people find out what we do, um, you know, sometimes they'll have a spouse that'll pass away or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's very painful. I had a woman who had her mother's jewelry for 10 years and couldn't get rid of it. And when she heard what I did, she gave me two boxes of her mother's jewelry. It wasn't. 14 karat gold expensive jewelry, but it was very priceless jewelry and for a woman to get that extra icing on the cake Mm -hmm. was so wonderful.
2: Exactly wonderful beautiful so much.
11: Okay, well, we're gonna
2: let uh, Taylor take it away with Darcy. I know she's patiently waiting and we have have Dr. Cash. We have Wendy. So let's move on here because I know that they've been patiently waiting.
6: Ms. Dorsey Dujan has a segment, a three-part segment actually, called African-American Pioneers of Navy Music. Dorsey is the director of Make Music LA on the Planning Committee for the Congress of Neighborhood, Local and the Neighborhood Council Advisory Board and Advisory Board um, for Arts for LA. So without further ado, Ms. Dorsey, take it away.
4: Hi, oh, thank you.
13: It's good to be here today and to hear all the stories. It's, uh, it's so compelling. Um, my conversation, of course, as you know, is all about music. And today we're going to talk about music in the Navy. And music and musicians play an important role in military life. From the history of TAPS to the importance of the USO to the African-American pioneers of Navy music. This series explores the place of ceremonial, tactical, and recreational music in the U.S. military. So we're going to. Let's see, here's me. A little slow, but we'll get there. We are ready to go.
3: What do you want to do?
13: Somehow, well, we need to get this to work, which is I wanted to. Uh, Here we
4: go.
14: This is Black and Navy Blue, a look at the African American pioneers of Navy music. I'm Senior Chief Musician Mike Bays with the United States Navy Band in Washington, D.C.
3: is it? Push play again. Maybe it'll catch up.
14: What music can do for people. It can entertain or make us happy, sad or thoughtful, but there's so much more it can do. In the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, music can strengthen us when courage fails. It can calm us when spirits are down. And sometimes music can lead the way to better understanding a society torn apart by racial injustice and discrimination. That's a role that music has played in the history of all places of the United States Navy. For a long time, there were severe restrictions on what kind of jobs African-Americans could have in the Navy. But when it finally came time for that policy to end, it was musicians who were among the first African-Americans to be let in.
3: Dorsey, you want to pause it? Because um, obviously the video is not playing. Oh, it, doesn't, um,
13: it doesn't play. The video doesn't play.
3: Oh, it just talks. Oh, okay. Yeah, well. it's,
13: just, it's a radio show, actually. Oh, okay.
3: Well, you know, what do I have?
14: Record when it comes to race. In America's early years, the Navy was actually the only place where African Americans could serve. That's according to Joseph Reedy a professor of history at Howard University. For the first 25 years of American history, he says, only white men were bound to serve in the militias. Militias were what America had before we had an army. When the US Army was created, they kept that whites only policy in place. But Dr. Reedy says, there was nothing in
10: the founding legislation that established the US Navy That restricted the enlistments only to white men, as was the case in the Army.
14: So for a long time, there were African-Americans in the Navy, a lot of them.
10: From the 1830s down through the 1850s, about 5% of the U.S. Navy consisted of men of African
14: descent. 1,500 African-American men were in the Navy in the Revolutionary War. And a black fife player and seaman named Cyrus Tiffany helped save the life of Commodore Perry during the War of 1812. During the Civil War, the Navy was having trouble finding enough sailors. And at the same time, as ships moved into the South, word passed among slaves that the Northerners could set them free. According to Dr. Reedy, African American men and
10: women began running away from slavery and seeking safety with the Navy. Often they would take control of a small boat of a canoe on the shore and make their way to a naval vessel, ask for protection, and in the case of the men, offer
14: their services. By 1864, more than 25% of the United States Navy was black. Uh uh we Uh uh We don't know much about the music on ships in those early days. But we know it was there because sailors have played instruments for centuries. But we know about an African-American musician on the Sloop of War, USS Kearsarge, which set sail from Maine in 1861.
10: There's an account by a man named Charles Fisher who served on Kearsarge. He talks about the brass band that they had. And he and other African-Americans were very instrumental in that.
14: There's another story about a Black sailor from New York City we like to go to Broadway shows. So he was
10: picking up the latest music. He could carry that on board ship with him, along with some New York-made instruments as
14: well. We even have pictures of African-American musicians on board Navy
10: ships. There's photographs, I think it's from USS Hunchback, where it's clearly a posed photograph of the crew. And the most prominent feature of it is an African-American man with a banjo sitting right in the front of the line of the sailors who are posing for the picture.
4: Mm-hmm.
14: Life was much better for African Americans in the years right after the Civil War. In the South, Blacks could vote for the first time and go to school. There was a real possibility that Black and white Americans might come to see each other as equals, but it didn't last. As we came closer to the 20th century, racism roared back. In the South, Blacks and whites couldn't eat in the same restaurants, use the same water fountains or bathrooms inequality between Blacks and Whites got worse. This held not just in civilian life, but in the Navy too, as Dr. Reedy says. There are reports, for
10: example, where there is such animus by White crewmen against the Black that it almost sounds like seething warfare barely below the surface. In
14: 1913, President Wilson signed a law that segregated all government officers. The Blacks couldn't enlist anymore. And according to Mark Clegg, a professor of African-American culture at the University of Michigan, for the men who were already in, they restricted the kinds of jobs they could do. African-Americans were limited in the Navy to being basically cooks, assistants to cooks, and then valets for senior white officers. Three years later, in 1916, the United States bought a chain of islands from Denmark, the place we now call the U.S. Virgin Islands. And believe it or not, this had an important impact on the Navy, on race relations, and on music in America. Was the first colored in the United States Navy, and a first colored band in the United States Navy. That's the voice of Alton Adams. Was Alton Adams? Imagine a young man who wants to learn music. There's no place to do it, but he does it anyway. Now imagine he's in a place where no one treats him like a person, but he's able to turn that around and become an important leader in the Navy. That's all Adams. As Mark Clegg says, it's an amazing story. We're
13: going to pause this here. And the next time we come back, we'll continue with the story of Walton Adams. So I hope you in- enjoyed this section and we'll bring more of it back. Quite informative. I had no idea.
3: Yeah, what's the uh, uh, the, the link? Um. Won't you um? This post is them. on.
13: The, this is on YouTube, and mm-hmm. so it's about 15 minutes long in total. So anyone can go to see this. The African American pioneers of Navy music, and it's also uh, on the Kennedy Center educational um, website. Okay. So you, can, you can see it.
4: Oh, that
2: was so Thank you so much. We look forward to the next segment.
3: Okay. Thanks, Yeah, that's uh, you know Dorsey is the uh, you know of course I, I called her last week. I said she's she's the queen because she started uh, make music L.A. and so um, I have a band and we played um, over at the Celebrity Center and a bunch of other places, um, a, a bunch of these different um, venues. So
13: and I have uh, pictures to prove it.
3: Okay. Hey, 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 hey. You have pictures of <laughs> I yes?
13: Have, I have pictures of you, yes, I do. I. I'll have, Can you bring I, our screen back, So Let's see. The,
3: we'll stop share.
13: Stop share?
3: Up at the top. The you green.
13: Oh, oh, okay. Sorry, folks. Okay.
3: There we go. There it is. <laughs>
13: <laughs> I'm not tech savvy, even when it's right in front of my face.
3: Sorry about that. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, you, know, you have pictures of of, of me. I, you know, I'm sure because you know there's always people taking pictures. I mean, we. Uh, I will find went, of them and send
13: them to you. And
2: right, you'll find those next time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Great information. Where
6: are you, Taylor? <laughs> Hi, i'm right here okay um charles would you please introduce uh, dr kathy cash
3: i will dr kathy cash is a u.s army veteran and the founder and ceo of strategies for hope dr cash volunteers in and works closely with the veteran community she, facilita- she facilitates veterans groups and faith-based groups with an emphasis on supporting others by instilling hope. Dr. Cash is the host of Change Your Focus and Live Life, a podcast heard on all major platforms. Dr. Cash, welcome.
15: Thank you so much, Charles. Good afternoon, everyone. Um, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. And I, before I get started, I'd like to offer a word of prayer. Uh, We all need prayer, and um, i just like to offer a word of prayer at this time. Shall we bow? Heavenly Father, how we say thank you for what has transpired thus far. Lord, we thank you that we're able to support, acknowledge, recognize, give whatever assistance is needed for our veterans. And we pray for those who are advocating for the veterans. Lord, we just ask that you continue to keep us individually and collectively and remind us that you are all powerful, that you are everywhere, and that you know everything. And of course, that you are in control. So we thank you and we praise you in your name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Dorsey. So today, I would like to share with you uh, five ways to be an encourager, five ways to instill hope in others. If you've been watching the news, or even if you haven't watched the news, we know that war is going on over in the Ukraine. And there are pictures being shown of family members that are in um, combat gear. And that is really bothering a lot of our veterans. Uh, Some want to go and help, you know, in their mind, they're ready to go and help because that's the heart of a veteran. Others are triggered because they remember when they were going through that similar situation. Um, so if they're not able to go anywhere or do anything, then they, they look to you. They look to you as their family member, as their friend, as their co-worker. So these are times when you can be uh, one to give hope, when you can be one to encourage. So I'm going to share a few things. Uh, the first one, be in the present with that person. Be in the present with that person. When that person begins talking about uh, what they went through during the war, uh, when they talk about the pictures that they're looking at, if they want to share some things with you, be present. In other words, give them your undivided attention. Multitasking is the worst thing that we can do for one another. Uh, if you're, if someone comes to speak to you, and they're feeling this, they want, they're speaking to you because they want someone who's going to listen and you can't listen and read and write and be on the phone and do all these other things. So be in the present with that person. They will truly appreciate it because it's something that that particular person, that veteran is going through that they are looking to you to give them some support. So that's one way that you can encourage and offer hope to that veteran. Another way is to instill confidence in what they have been through in who they are Uh, some people are some people want more attention than others some people want to want you to know that i've done that i've been there i know exactly how they're feeling or again they want to talk to you about what's going on what you want to do is continue to give them accolades for what they've done recognize what they've gone through acknowledge the the hurt that they're feeling and then instilling them hope because we serve a God who is faithful and what you want to do as you're considering that and reaffirming your faith instill in the other person that same faith whoever that that person's higher power is it may be God some people call God uh some other uh some other name in their own belief so acknowledge that and reaffirm that the faith that they have will get them through. And so that's another way that you can instill hope in a person. The third way, be an example. Be an example. There are things that you have right. gone through that you can share with Whoa. others. And when you share them with others, that yeah. lets them know that they are not the only one feeling like that. We'll see that. It lets them know that they're not the only one who's going through something like that. The whole world is going through it. The whole world is going through it. But whenever, especially as a veteran, whenever we're going, some, going through something, we think that we're the only ones. We think that we're the only ones going through it. So as that listener, as that person that they're leaning and depending on, instill that hope. Because hope can be defined as an, as an assured expectation. An assured expectation. We are expecting things to get better. Hope gives meaning to life. And when we look at life, we look at eternal hope as a gift from God. And when we look at what we're going through now, individually within our, within our own thoughts or across the nation, across the world, we can talk about possibilities of things that'll happen, but then we can also be a beacon of light, to establish hope in that person's life. And then as we continue to listen, of course, and being present and recognizing the value of that person, we give strength to them through our encouragement. They'll they'll gather that strength. They'll no longer um, feel so despondent because you are listening to them, because you are sharing with them. And in all that you're doing, it's very important to be sincere. People can tell when you're being, as a a youngster, say, you're being fake. People can tell that. So be sincere in your listening to a veteran. Be sincere in your conversation with the the veteran and assure that you're there for support and you're there for whatever they need. Charles Swindoll said, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you react to it. So as you're continuing to instill hope in that veteran, the person you're speaking with, the family member, the caregiver, talk to them about what you've gone through and encourage them to be kind to themselves, encourage them to practice self-care, encourage them to do those things that make them feel good and that will bring a relief from the current events that are going on throughout the world. And then lastly, you want to encourage them to not give up on their good thoughts. Sometimes we'll get so despondent that it's like, it's it's no good. It's not going to happen. Everything is going to be bad like this forever. Never give up. Give them that hope. Encourage them to move forward and let them know that they have the ability to direct that portion of their life. This is no substitute for mental health care. I want to make sure that that said. But when a person comes to you, they're coming to you because they want to be heard. And you are in that privileged position to hear them when they come to you. So when they come, you want to be able to instill that hope in them. You want to be able to give them that encouragement because what we want to do is not give up. Thomas Edison said, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is always to try just one more time. So as we keep moving forward, we want to encourage those to keep moving forward. We want to encourage our fellow veterans to not give up to not remain despondent in spite of what's going on across the world, but to know that hope is eternal and you have that privilege of giving them that hope. Now, one of the things that I do in my day job, if you will, is I'm a peer support specialist and I offer that kind of support to veterans. And I wanna share that through US Vets, Loyola Marymount campus is hosting a vet to peer program so if they're veterans and family members who would love to learn how to be that peer support, who would learn how to talk to veterans, to learn how to share their story. Uh, vet, the Vet-to-Peer Program at LMU, they're holding classes in person starting March 26. So from March 26th to July 30th, the class will meet on campus, at LMU Loyola Marymount University on Saturdays. If you, are, if you are interested in that, you can contact Chris Cleland at area code 213-760-3704. Once again, that's Chris Cleland at 213 760 3704. So if you don't know how to instill hope, which is what a peer specialist does, and you want to become one to, uh, to give that hope to veterans that you meet in all walks of life, becoming a peer specialist is definitely one way to do it. Because it's being able to listen, be in the present, offer hope and encouragement as you are talking to and sharing with other veterans. And lastly, March 29th is National Vietnam War Veterans Day, March 29th. The Mindful Veteran Project is joining in with the Ebell Theater of Los Angeles to host an outdoor, safe, honoring their service event. So, with the National Vietnam War Veterans Day on March 29th, they are asking for all Vietnam veterans to attend because they will recognize Vietnam veterans. All veterans are invited, but if you'd like to be recognized, you can um, you would do a pre-registration and you would note that on your pre-registration form. So again, the organization is Mindful Veteran Project and their phone number is 818-616-2931. Again, that's 818-616-2931.
2: So that's everyone
15: great. is invited to join us in recognizing our Vietnam veterans.
2: John, I know you're going to take up on, on that We're attending that. Yeah. <laughs> no,
15: that's great. Yes, that's definitely. It. Right. Want to see all of you out there, as many as can come out,
4: mm-hmm. uh, please
15: register. Um, everyone has to register to be there. It was it's a safe outdoor environment and it's a wave that our veterans who were not given a, a proper welcome home from Vietnam will receive recognition and a proper welcome home it's because really our veterans good. from Vietnam are appreciated. And when we look at the hope that we give to others, it stretches all the way back through generations of service. And as we Dr. talk Cash, about- where is it located? The eBell Theater is,
3: on Wilshire. Uh, on, Wilshire. Oh, on Wilshire. Oh, the one on Wilshire. Oh, yeah.
15: yeah.
3: Wilshire E-Bell Theater. Yeah.
15: yeah. Probably, yeah. probably is that. On the patio. Oh, that yeah. should be nice. Yes. So okay. everyone is invited.
3: What's Call the that problem, John?
7: Here, sir? What's
3: that? You're going to say the problem is what?
7: Transportation. Yeah. We got a lot of people. We got a lot of Vietnam veterans in Long Beach that wouldn't be able to get up there without some help. I was thinking of one that uh, was actually in that video, the one with the dog who's in a wheelchair, he's a was a Navy SEAL in Vietnam, mm-hmm. <clears throat> a couple others that, but, well, wait, well, I, I'll bring that up to you. You know, I mean, there's a Vietnam veteran group in, uh, I think it's Carson and and Long Beach. Mm.
15: So call the number Call yeah, the number yeah, and yeah, ask yeah. if they're providing transportation because they understand the needs of the Vietnam era veteran yeah. because of their age, exactly. of their disabilities. So they understand they may have something set up. They may be able to set something up mm-hmm. uh, because we're now, it's what, two weeks, three weeks away. Yeah. So call that number and ask what they have. And if they don't have anything now, then they may be able to set something up.
4: Sure. I'll but again,
15: it. this was in response to online and virtual celebrations. Because mm-hmm. again, a lot of our Vietnam era vets are not tech savvy. So you tell them to email this or log on to here, and they they can't do it. I have a I have a smartphone. I just want to be able to say hello to on it. I don't want to be looking for yeah. apps and going through all
2: of that stuff. Believe me, I know a lot of people. Like that. <laughs> Thank not- you so much, Doc. That was amazing information. We thank you so much. Yes,
4: We're running welcome. down,
2: starting to run down now, uh, running out of time. Taylor, you're going to introduce uh, our next guest.
6: Reverend Dr. Wendy Childress is a retired Army chaplain, having served in the Army and California Army National Guard. She has served as an associate pastor and worked in the nonprofit sector in various capacities for over fifteen years. Reverend Dr. Wendy is a life coach and the founder of Living Life Completely LLC. Welcome, Dr. Wendy Childress.
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, now
12: Thank you. Taylor's beautiful, isn't she? Thank <laughs> you, Taylor, for that introduction.
5: And I I normally
12: start out with a prayer, but I don't need to, because Reverend Dr. Cash gave us one. There you go. One, but she she sprinkled the word all through our our presentation. So we were fed. (laughs) Yeah, and can we get an amen? Amen.
4: Amen.
12: That's right. I don't know how much time I have, so I will try to expeditiously go through my presentation. I am going to share my screen in just a moment right now. And this is in honor of Black History Month. So I thought it'd only be fitting to honor and recognize the African-American Blacks. that served and serving in our armed forces. W.E.B. Du Bois said, it is a peculiar sensation, this double consciousness, this sense of always looking at one's self through the eyes of others, whenever feels his two-ness. An American, a Negro, two souls, two thoughts, two unreconciled strivings, Two warring ideals in one dark body whose dogged strength alone keeps it from being torn asunder. How apropos is this quote by W.E.B. Du Bois for the hundreds of thousands of African-American or Black men and women who selflessly, honorably served and are serving this country, our country, and sometimes defiantly enlisted to serve from the Revolutionary War to the present day. It wasn't until 1866 that African-Americans had the opportunity to enter the ranks of the regular army. Many were, and some still are often torn and feel the 2 that Du Bois speaks of, yet they served and continue to serve in the US Armed Forces battling many issues within, such as overt and institutional racism, various forms of discrimination and sex, to name a few and this is a well-deserved tribute to them and to those currently serving for me. Due to limited time, I would like to introduce you, introduce you to, with great pride and appreciation, just a few of these phenomenal men and women. One, Charles Ball. He was a Navy, Navy sailor born into slavery around 1781. He served with distinction during the War of 1812. And here's an interesting fact. Now, it's noted in the pre uh, previous paragraph that they enlisted and served even defiantly, and they were committed to this country. So an interesting fact about Charles Balls is this. After seven years of slavery in South Carolina, he escaped back up to Maryland to be closer to his family, declaring himself a free nation. Dr. Wendy, didn't you have pictures? Yes, I did.
5: There you go. All right.
12: There we go. And so after seven years of slavery in South Carolina, Ball escaped back up to Maryland to be closer to his family, declaring himself a free man. Ball worked at small farms until war broke out in the Chesapeake Bay. Although Ball could have secured his freedom, and I have to repeat that, he could have secured his freedom By joining with the British and being evacuated from the United States, he did not. He chose to stay and enlist under Commodore Joshua Barney as a free man, attempting to convince other escaped slaves to stay in the United States and fight rather than defect to the British. I don't know how much more dedication to a country you can have than what he displayed. Then there's Jordan B. Noble. He was born into slavery. He died as a revered war hero. He joined the forces at the Chalmette battlefield with Lieutenant Noble as a drummer. And Dorsey spoke and showed us some of that. So this is on point with what she was sharing with us. He, his drumming is what helped Andrew Jackson to surprise the British and delay the enemy's assault. Then we have John H. Lawson. His rank was a landsman. He was a free Black man from Philadelphia who enlisted in the Navy at New York in 1863. Lawson was one of nearly 18,000 men and 11 women of African descent who served in the U.S. Navy during the Civil War that been identified by him. Before 1861, the Navy, unlike the Army, had not barred black men from serving. He was awarded the medal. He was awarded uh, the Medal of Honor. And well, God, I can't skip this one. I'm trying to keep up with this time. William Benjamin Gould. He served in the Spanish-American War. He was a literate master tradesman, and he was enslaved in North Carolina. But he looked for freedom, joined board of the USS Cambridge, and he joined as a contraband sailor. Thought that was interesting, had never heard of that. A contraband sailor, he with the rank first of boy and then as landsman. Then we have the 54th Massachusetts, Massachusetts Regiment. The 54th Massachusetts Regiment was the first regiment of African Americans from the North to serve the Civil War. I am going to, for sake of time, skip some. Then we have Benjamin O. Davis, Sr., he was the first African American general. He became the first African-American to hold star rank in the U.S. Army and in the Armed Forces on October 25, 1940. He was promoted to Brigadier General Temporary, a situation which he all was too familiar with, as his promotions to Major, Lieutenant Colonel, and Colonel had all originally been temporary. Such was the situation for Black officers in Davis's <coughs> day. He served with the Buffalo Soldiers as as well. And then in World War II, we had an all-Black tank battalion who was nicknamed the Black Panthers. They arrived in Europe in 1944. They endured a record of 180 consecutive days in combat and liberated 30 towns on their mission into Germany. We have Hazel Johnson Brown the first African-American woman general in the US Army. Hazel Winifred Johnson Brown was a nurse and educator who served with the US Army from 1955 to 1983. Johnson Brown enlisted in the Army in 55, shortly after President Harry Truman banned segregation and discrimination in the armed forces. In 79, she became the first black female to earn the rank of brigadier general in the United States and the first black chief of the United States Army Nurse Corps. She she was also the director of Walter Reed Nursing Institute Institute of Nursing. Let me say that correctly. Samuel L. Gravely Jr. was the first African-American admiral in the Navy. He had a career lasting 38 years, and it it included a string of impressive firsts. He was the first African-American to command a U.S. Navy warship. He was the first African-American to command an American warship under combat conditions since the Civil War. He was the first American to command a major naval warship, and he was the first African-American to rise to the rank of Vice Admiral and the first African-American to command a U.S. Then we have Vernice Amour. She was the first African-American combat pilot. In 88, she became the first African-American to serve as a police officer in Tempe, Arizona before joining the Marines. In 2001, she earned her wings and became the first African-American female naval aviator in the Marine Corps. In 2003, she flew with HMLA-169 during the invasion of Iraq, becoming America's first African-American female combat pilot. She completed two tours in the Gulf. We have General Lloyd J. Austin III. He was the first Black Secretary of Defense. He served in uniform, for 41 years, retiring as a four-star army general. Austin was also the first black vice chief of staff of the US Army and the first black commander of US Central Command, Major General Marcia M. Anderson. She was the first black female reserve officer of Major General. Then there's General Michael Garrett. In 2019, he was he held the highest ranking black uh, rank for black officer in the US Army, Commanding General of the United States Armed Forces located at Fort black, Bragg. As a commander of the US Army's largest organization, he commanded 215,000 active duty soldiers and 190,000 members of the U.S. Army Reserve while providing training and readiness and oversight of the Army National Guard. There was Lieutenant General Nadja West, who was the first black female lieutenant general and the highest ranking woman to graduate from the U.S. Military Academy. West became the first black Surgeon General of the U.S. Army on December 11, 2015 In 2013, West was also the first black female general of the Army's active component and was Army Medicine's first African-American female two-star general. Command Sergeant Major Evelyn Hollis. She was the first black female command sergeant major of a combat arms unit. In 2004, she made history when she became the first female command sergeant major of combat arms unit by assuming command of the 1st Battalion, 31st Air Defense Artillery Command. And let's see, there we're are several, we're running out of time. I'm if going you to forgot, definitely You forgot
2: have about Colin to... Powell, did you mention Well, that? I did
12: not say Colin Powell because we know Colin Powell. So I wanted, I did have him in here But we know Colin Powell, so I skipped him in lieu of time to try and share some of the other ones. And I'm going to end with Chaplain Barry C. Black. Of course, I have to end with the man of the cloth. He was commissioned as a Navy chaplain in 76. On June 27, 2003, Rear Admiral Barry C. Black retired, was elected the 62nd chaplain of the United States Senate. And so that you know where I got this information from. I have to share that so that you, in your free time, and it's worth checking it out. Cause as I did my research, I got caught up in it. I was hours and hours and hours because right. there were a lot of interesting right. things that I did not know. So I will, let, let me read this real quick. Let us always remember those great African-Americans who brilliantly served this country, the United States of America, our country, Let us celebrate our first, for they did not get this title without overcoming insurmountable challenges. Let us commend and support those currently serving. And let us honor those brave African-American men and women who gave their lives. And just so you know where I got the information from, these are the websites that I got the information from that I shared with you all. And again, I would suggest checking them out because there is a lot of interesting information and history that we don't hear about and we don't get and it, it's right there so right. i right. hope you all will take the time to go check out the american legion the first one was the Air airforce.mil it's the air force's website mm-hmm. american legion army.mil and then the national park service which i was uh, shocked to find information there but it was there that's amazing
2: Thank you so much for that informative information. Very
4: Closing smarty. up
2: Black history. You're Okay, great. Thank you. We're, I think it's on you, Taylor. We're taking it on out of here now.
3: Hot news.
2: We're introducing our hot
13: news.
3: Uh, yeah, yeah, get, get, I'm going to do a Taylor. Hot <laughs>
13: Go
2: ahead on and
3: talk about our introduce our hot news. Cause he
6: don't need an introduction to do it anyway. Go ahead,
3: Taylor. Charles. <laughs> Just one word, okay? I did, you know. I and mean, I got two words for you: hot, hot, hot news. I mean, it's like the sun with hot sauce on it. You know, it's hot and flavorful. You know, so. I'm gonna talk about uh, what happened last week. I Well, you know, um, since I am the entertainment uh, um, segment guy, um, last week I was at the Aquarium of the Pacific, and I actually um, called in to the show from there. You know, and uh, and uh, what I'll do is I'll show you a couple of sh- uh, you know, just a-, a video. It's about four or five minutes long, tops, and. Uh, some of the stuff that's going on so you can get an idea of what's happening at the aquarium while we're playing um... i have a band but we don't usually bring the full band out because you know the segments are short that we sing so we bring the the two main guys and and we had a guitar player with us and we use drum machines and and you know the thing about over there is you know you have to wear a mask and you try to sing with these masks on and all of this it's it's not easy but you know you, you have to do it so here. I'm going to share my screen to show you a um, a video of what happens. And oh, while I'm thinking about it, they give us a bunch of tickets for playing, and they pay us a little stipend too. But for any veteran that wants to go to the aquarium up at the Pacific, I'm offering 25 tickets to anybody that wants to go. So if, if they get in touch with you, kind of through Operation Confidence or whatever, I have. 25 tickets I'll donate to Operation Confidence to give to anybody who wants to go to the aquarium. Oh, great. You know, I, have
2: a, I have a few.
3: To go. Well, did somebody else say something?
2: I, I need about five.
3: Okay. Well, I got plenty of them. They give us, I mean, you know, what am I going to do with them? Let them expire? I don't want them yeah. to expire. You know, I mean, I'll
13: take a couple off your hands.
3: Okay. Just, uh, you know, just, uh, get in touch with uh Connie I'm just kidding so just uh let me let me know and I you know I I now what I can do is either um leave him at the door or you know we'll get we'll get them we'll work out the way to get them yeah so that'd
4: be
2: great thank you thank you okay and, share you know, your hot news let's see what's happened last
3: let's week. see what's happening here all right let me uh um, <coughs> whoops let me do this first before I go uh Messing it up. here uh, Let's What did I do? I don't
2: know. You supposed to have it ready. I had
3: it ready, you know. And, you and, a tech
2: uh,
3: guy? Uh, yeah. I'm the, the the least tech guy around here. The one, the, the least. Uh, <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Here we let's see. Go here. Boom. All right. Here we go. Bam. Share it. Bring it up, and then just a quick. This is the first song I ever wrote. And I started writing because I was, there was a young lady I was interested in and then uh, I started joking, telling her I'm gonna write a song about it. And then one day she called me on it and I ended up starting writing songs. <laughs> starting, starting. And so there's two songs on here. I, I wrote this one and the next one that comes up is, uh, Herman wrote, it's called Pepsi, about a girlfriend of his. She, you know, Her name was Pepsi, believe it or not. And I wanna actually make a commercial with this song. Listen to it when you hear it.
8: Here's, uh, one. Oh, he's
2: here. Like the yeah. musician there. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> also, and me over yeah.
3: here dancing. And that little baby, that little boy, he, he <laughs> took it and ran off with it, didn't he? Uh, you know, it's funny that uh, every year, we've been doing this for 10 plus years now. It's always kids, always, because you know, the aquarium is full of kids. Those kids come out there, I don't care what nationality, I don't care how old or young, that they get out there, the, the kids, the grandparents, and it's like, you know, because they come, you know, they're coming here for the aquarium and the music is just something that's there, part of Right. Something. They pass by and they just they just tend to have, a, you know, those kids are like, you know, there's no, uh, no genre because we don't sit in any one genre, you know, we're R&B, rock, salsa, reggae, gospel, funk, everything. And, mm-hmm. and they always, always kids that are like dancing. I mean, you know, we used so to have great. a little. We used to have a little spot right in the front for them. that just you know, say, hey, you want to dance, come inside the ropes, you know. So they would. Well, oh,
2: that's would, cute. You should do that again. That's real
3: cute. It, you know, Thank so, you
2: so much. We way over time.
3: Way over time. Right. So. We're
2: gonna end it right now. One real quick though, John. Tell us about your yoga. I mean, yeah,
7: your uh. Yeah, is that yoga class you give? Yeah, on uh, <clears throat> Tuesday at 11 o'clock on Zoom. And okay. It, uh, it's seated and standing, no mat, and uh, it's it's not for like all these young people that can twist themselves. <laughs> <and> <laughs> for me. old people like me. Yes. <laughs> so, That's great. Um, yeah. If 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 I put my uh, email address in there, but if you just send me an email and say, would you put me on the invite list? I will do that.
2: Yeah, and and and, and give out and say your email address for those that may not. Yeah,
7: it's john. Dot at ourcityheart.org.
2: Okay. I want to join that class.
7: Well, we'd love to have you. You know, we've yeah. got uh, you. You'd you'd bring the age down a little bit. <laughs> and you,
2: you need a lot of open space, or just,
7: no, you know, no, that I, it's yeah. unlimited. I mean, that's the beauty of Zoom.
2: Right, right. No, I mean to join your class. Do I need to be in a large room or right at the front of the?
7: No, 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 no. I do this right here in my office.
2: okay cool all you
7: need is a chair with a little bit of space around it
2: okay there you go that's what i want to know great well thank you so much we're winding down now martha and and taylor start signing us out now
6: i would like to remind our listeners and viewers about our amazing advertisement rates we have 20 and 30 second advertisement slots available Please email info at OperationConfidence.org for more information and visit Operation Confidence's website at www.OperationConfidence.org resource page for some amazing resources. I would also like to inform our viewers and listeners about Amazon Smile. When making your next purchase on Amazon, please go to Amazon Smile and type in Operation Confidence in the Choose Your Organization donation box. Amazon will make a small donation to Operation Confidence. Also, to get involved in Operation Confidence Tiny Houses Project, visit our website and send us a message on how you would like to be involved.
1: And to our viewers, we would like to inform you about Operation Confidence's Positive Redirection Team, a group of male and female veterans who are mentors, having overcome similar challenges and situations, transitioning back into mainstream society. To be connected or to become a team member email us at info at operationconfidence.org that email address one more time info at operationconfidence.org and we are also excited to inform our listeners about operation confidence's combat boots and lace women veterans mentoring and creative arts support group to get involved please email info at operationconfidence.org again the Email address, if you know uh, anyone who may be interested, is info at operationconfidence.org.
2: And do a closing ending comment,
1: uh, Martha. As always, we wanna remind our listeners that the goal, that our goal for the show is to raise awareness about Operation Confidence's mission, which is to provide stable housing with a wide range of supportive services, including employment opportunities, for disabled veterans and those who may have experienced homelessness. So if you or anyone you know would like to get involved with our grassroots mission, please contact us at info at operationconfidence.org and visit our website at www.operationconfidence.org. And to all our viewers, please don't forget to subscribe to America's Invisible Heroes YouTube channel. Hey,
2: thank you so much, everyone, for being on the show, and see you next Sunday, God willing.
3: That's right. am time to wonderful. say goodbye. Got to get her. <laughs> there you go. Got to do that. <laughs> to got to, get you. Her, yeah, got to see y'all next time. You know? That's right. That's
2: <laughs> thank so you. funny. Thank you, John. Bye, thank you, and Cindy. So. Thank you, Dr. Cash and everyone. Hold up. I'm the
3: closing out the, the ending. Closing
2: here. out now. Darcy, thank you.
0: For more information or to be a guest on our show, email info at operationconfidence.org.